this is another great use case for this visibility idea. And so if we've got these cards that we're making of activities, right, we're writing blog posts or we're creating downloadable resources or whatever it might be, we should have success criteria documented for the work that we're doing. This work item is successful if X. It is a failure if Y. And, and this is quite connected to some of these ideas from like the lean startup movement and those kinds of things where it's, you know, data or die. And I think it's a good muscle. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Andrea Freirier. She's a co-founder of Agile Sherpas and, uh, and a new friend of mine recently. Thanks for making time for the show, Andrea. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, so for people who don't know what agile marketing is, uh, I, I really want to dive into this a lot on the show, but, but just right off the bat, what does that mean for, for someone who isn't familiar with the term? Yeah, it's, it's really a different way of planning and executing marketing work. So getting away from our old school world of designing a uh, big marketing plan that covers the entire year. You know, we make it in big, giant PowerPoint presentation, and then we're going to stick as closely to that plan as we possibly can for the next 12 to 18 or, heaven forbid, right, even five years of, of time, uh, regardless of what's going on. And it's big, giant campaigns, and, and it can either be a big success or a really big problem. And so Agile takes that idea and really flips it around and says, what could we do that would add value both to our audience and our customers and to our bottom line as marketing professionals? What could we do in a much shorter time frame? What could we release in just a couple of weeks or a couple of months that's going to add a lot of value and teach us a lot about what's working and what's not? And then let's learn and iterate on the effective things and then move away from the things that aren't working as quickly as possible. So it's about speeding up the metabolism of marketing. Yeah. And so, you know, so many people will be familiar with the idea of agile for software or think we are right. We, we have a guess of what it, we think it means. Um, when you think about um, why somebody should care, like, Hey, if I get, if I do an ad and it gets a client, you know, why, like, this sounds like a lot of jargon. Why do I care? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite a powerful way of managing work when it's done correctly and that's from whether you're a small sort of solopreneur or working on a very small team all the way up to, you know, you're a VP at a large multinational global enterprise. These same kinds of ways of thinking and acting are extremely impactful because really it's not just about speed. It's also about doing the right work at the right time and creating this system that forces you to really focus in on the high value work and get it done. And then based on whether it worked or not, either do more like it or move away from it very quickly. So thinking about that, um, when you, well, let's just start with the basics. Let's say that, that you get a client, they're like, Andrea, I don't know what this is, but the people I trust the most say I need to do this. And um, selfishly, let's use my investment fund I'm trying to start, right? We're trying to do this. Uh, we're, we're trying to start this real estate fund to buy like 
you know, apartment buildings and office buildings, just like boring, reliable cash flow, right? So I'm trying to get the, you know, the, the masses, um, you know, just your regular Americans who saved a retirement and want to want to um, actually live off it at some point, right? But they're not some super rich person that, you know, the big giant Wall Street guys are coming have a one-on-one -on -one with, you know, kind of a thing, right? right. So I'm saying, hey, I'm going to, I want to teach these people Warren Buffett principles and run classes like that for a feeder. And then, and then we want to, you know, talk to them about why we think we're following Warren Buffett's principles, blah, 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 something like that. Mm -hmm. And the people I respect the most in the world, Andrea, say that I need your stuff. Where, where are you starting with me? <laughs> well, assuming that you understand enough about your customers and your audience already, then we're going to take their journey as our kind of starting point and say, all right, do you have enough work out there to entice them, right? To, to get them to come to where you need to be. And if you say yes, then great. We'll move on to kind of the next phase of, of the buyer's journey, so to speak. But wherever you need to start based on the kind of work that you need to do, we will have you make a big giant list of everything you could potentially be doing right now, because there's always, especially in marketing, uh, literally a million things that we could be working on at any given time. We could be doing um, advertising, we could be creating content, we could be doing reconnecting with past clients, right? There's all kinds of things. And so visibility is a core agile value. And so once we get it all out there in this big massive list, which we will start to refer to as your backlog of work, your prioritized to-do list is what we're gonna try to build from all of that. And so from the visibility aspect, we then move into prioritization. So you've got it all out there, either in a tool or even just sticky notes on a wall somewhere. And then it's time to get very, make very hard choices and say, if you could only do one of these things, which of them would have the most impact for you? All right, that's your top priority. That's going at the top. And then we go all the way down the list. So one, two, three, four, five. And it's very strict. We can't have two number one priorities because that's not the point of prioritization. And so that's really the first step is to identify everything you could potentially be doing and then to really ruthlessly prioritize those activities. Okay. And that's so the same. I want to jump in here for a second. So, you know, somebody like me, you know, I think it's required to have a little ADHD to, <laughs> to be allowed to become an entrepreneur, right? So I want to do like 50 things at once. Okay. Yep. So. I'm thinking like, okay, let's start with, you know, everybody, my, you know, my, my parents, friends, my, my, my high school friends, parents, you know, these people who they're not billionaires, but they actually did save a retirement and they don't need to get rich, but they just need to live off this thing. Right. And I'm saying, okay, we'll probably have our, we'll probably have our paperwork ready in, you know, cause it's going to be six months back and forth with the securities commission before we have a regulation, a plus offering for this thing. And I, so I've got a little bit of time to get ready on that side of it. Right. Um, and you know, I grew up with these people. I know these people and I've seen the kind of junk that their local, uh, investment advisors putting them in that happens to be like speculative investments. And, you know, they're in some oil and gas stocks and this and that, because somebody said they should be not because they're following any <laughs> principles of compound interest, like Warren Buffett, for instance. Right. Is my backlog collecting that stuff or do I go to interviews with them or what's in my backlog? Yeah, so it's pretty specific. So if it's, yeah, one of your items in your backlog might be go interview five 
ideal customers or um, whatever the, those really specific activities are because we want to keep them small to allow them to get done quickly and that helps address that kind of ADHD tendency that really all of us have developed thanks to our phones and, and social media and all of this um, stuff. But what the research shows us is the more things that we're working on at any given time, the less we will finish and the longer they all take, right? And so once we've got your prioritized list of these kind of smaller activities, we like to say your card shouldn't take or your work item shouldn't take more than a couple of days to finish if you were able to focus and, and just get it done. And so they're pretty small. And then we would put them through your workflow. And so for if we were just working on you as a team of one, your workflow is probably going to be quite simple, right? You have your list and then things are active, they're doing or in progress, and then they're done, right? You don't have a lot of complicated stages that you have to take things through. And then you might have a column for things that you're waiting on, like your, your SEC um, approval is something you're waiting on. You can't do anything on it until that happens, but you need to keep an eye on that because that's going to come back and then you're going to have to do things with it. So you might have a waiting column. But then we put strict limits on your in progress. So like I'm an entrepreneur, I, I feel the like pull of 50,000 things every single day. And on my personal board, I have a work in progress limit of two. I can only be doing two things at any given time. Now, that doesn't mean you can only do two things today. But right now, in this very moment, there can only be two active things that you're working on. And in order to start a new one, you've got to finish one of those two. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and I think that's why, like, books like The One Thing got so popular. Is that, do you uh -huh. know what I mean? We've, we've all got not just permission but uh we're almost like encouraged by our technology not to do that right and all these emails that are coming to us and flooding us and these kind of things right so yeah, and it was quite a quite a fad for a while to say that one was good at multitasking it was kind of a badge of honor but more and more we realized we don't do that we switch back and forth from task to task and our brains are not wired to work that way yeah so uh and it's funny the like the attention residue right? Like those studies about like, uh -huh. and when we do switch, it takes us five minutes to get back in the zone of where we were. So we didn't just lose the one minute for the question. We lost six minutes for getting back on yep. our A game, right? So right. and your brain, your brain craves completion as well. So like that, that task you didn't finish hangs out in your head, right? You can't fully focus on that new thing because your brain wants you to go back and finish the thing you started on. Sure. Uh, it, it, it it's, it's funny how it like, sabotages ourselves or we sabotage ourselves by not recognizing that pattern right um mm -hmm. by the way do you know the book uh deep work by cal newport uh-huh yeah <laughs> i love it so much it's like <laughs> gave me permission to turn off the internet turn off my phone and just like block off these times which have been like it's funny i do that i make so much progress i'm like i'm just gonna answer this quick little email and i'm gonna do another time block and i'll lose like six hours and not get another thing done that day you know right <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just open the door a crack and then it all rushes in. Yeah, seriously, right? Okay. So, um I so I I book some meetings, I go I go interview, you know, 2 days from now, I've done 5 interviews. Am I digitizing this and putting it all in a Google Drive or do you do you like paper so you can put post-it notes on the wall or do you care? I like paper. There's something very, very tactile and satisfying about moving a sticky note across a wall, but I travel a lot. And so I can't really do that personally. 
Um, I have a Trello board, which is quite similar to just, you know, sticky notes that move across um, the fields. And then you can also save files to it and give it a due date and put a checklist in it. And it just works a little bit harder, especially if you start collaborating with other people. You have other people who have cards and they're doing a couple things and you're doing a few things. And then it starts to be this single point of truth for all of the activity that a team or a couple of people uh, are doing to drive towards a shared goal. Sure. And so thinking about these interviews, just for one second, um, we've all been told a thousand times to listen to our clients and to really get into their problems and stuff like this. But whether it's in my case, looking at the investment world or anybody could be listening to this from any industry, what are things that you want them to get out of a, that interview? Out of the interview with, with a potential client? Yeah. I mean, if we're thinking about how that kind of activity might play into your agile system, it's a perfect time to take what they're telling you that they want and need and would like to have and turn them into work items that go into your backlog. So now it's not just ideas that you have, it's real activities that your clients and prospects want you to deliver. And then you've got this documented system that will help you prioritize that work because it might right now be more important than some of the foundational activities you've got going, or that might not need to happen until you finish, you know, four or five other things, but we can document it and prioritize it instead of running off and doing it right away because it's urgent and shiny. Okay. So what, what could be a work item? Is it in my case of like, um, Hey, they don't even know how to start a self-directed 401k to transfer money over so they can do this. Or is it like frequently asked questions about what we're doing or what, what's an example of what work could come out of an interview like that? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, a work item should be fairly concrete, right? So how do you know it's done? There should be an outcome or an output that is the end result of your activity around this card, right? And so the completing an interview would make your, your interview work item card finished, but then you might create new work items out of that that are build FAQ landing page based on interview content, right? And so then that's a new activity that you will prioritize and execute. And when the landing page is live, that card is done and you move it over to finished. And is this, I, you know, I'm just on your website on the Agile Sherpas website. Is this the kind of stuff that's in your, your like a get certified, the Agile Marketing's, you know, the fundamental certificate thing? Is this kind of stuff in there? Yeah, we go really deep into the various methodologies in that two-day fundamentals class. Um, for folks who are ready to start using it, that's an awesome place to begin. We also have a quick start guide, which is going to be more of the downloadable PDF type resource, which is free, and you can download it from agilesherpas.com, and that's going to give you some visualized um, tips on how to build this board that we're talking about and how to create your first backlog got some illustrations, which I think are really helpful rather than me trying to verbally explain it all. And is that under resource? I'm just on your website now. Is that under resources or where is that? Yes, you can find that under resources. Um, it will be the, the little pop-up that it encourages you to uh, download when you go to the resources section. Okay, great. Okay. So, um, you know, I've, I've maybe, you know, I feel like I'm like grilling you here and making you go so granular. <laughs> Do you want to give like do you want to give like a little bit of 30,000 foot and then we can dig into some more specifics? So like, this is an example. We do the, you know, you do the interviews, you do the cards, you check something off. 
do you want to talk about how this type of approach plays out overall and then we can go back through some more of individual elements within it yeah i mean we've we've started uh talking about the real nuts and bolts like power core of it is this visualization and this forced focus but then especially once we start moving out beyond a single person's uh workflow and we start thinking about how this works with teams or organizations there have to be more rigorous processes, I suppose, to make sure that everybody is coming along and that we have good uh, visibility outside of that core group of people. And so there are other aspects of it. So the that prioritized to-do list, that backlog that we were talking about, hopefully it's getting nice and empty because you're focusing on work and you're processing things quickly. And so there has to be a time when we fill it back up. And if you're on a team, that's usually a single team leader's responsibility to fill it back up, make sure that the strategic priorities for the team, for the organization are reflected in the order of those work items. High priority stuff is at the top. Low priority stuff is either at the bottom or getting pulled out because it's not ever going to happen. And then when the work is getting done every couple of weeks, we should have kind of a show and tell, right? A review or a demo session where we say, hey, everybody, look at all this cool stuff that we made. Here's this landing page that you can go and use with your clients. And here's this new resource that we created. And this is how our past work is performing. And again, coming back to that idea of visibility, allowing people outside the team to learn and, and use what the team has created is a big, big benefit of this when we're thinking at kind of a larger scale than, than a solo person. Well, that's great. Um, and can you talk about the measurement aspects of this versus just throwing spaghetti against the wall kind of marketing? <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that type of review session that I was discussing is a perfect time to look backward, right? And say, remember that work that we showed you two weeks ago? Here's how it's performing. We thought this one was going to be a winner, turned out to be a dud, so we're going to shut it down. But now we learned that through just a couple of weeks of work and measurement, as opposed to spending six or nine months building this massive campaign that we put out and meh, it fails. Uh, so we, we've learned that quickly and we can either pivot or shut it down entirely. Or we can say, hey, we ran this experiment and we've been tracking it for two weeks and wow, people love this new topic that we've been talking about. And so we're going to adjust our editorial calendar and change our strategy to reflect that good performance. And then, right, it's all much faster and more, um, more iterative than the here's our plan. We stick to it no matter what. You know, I, I want to talk about this just for a second. So um, and, and we didn't mention um, everybody should be going to Amazon and buying your book, Death of a Marketer. <laughs> <laughs> which I bought and started and have liked, by the way. Um, but um, <clears throat> you think about, like, you and I are such nerds for content marketing. I was I was so excited when I found out that you're a huge Joe Paluzzi fan and you've spoken at Content Marketing World and all these kind of things, right? Um, yep. You know, when you think about the times that, you know, the CEO or executives or the sales team are disparaging of the marketing team, so uh -huh. often... In my experience, it has to do with, you know, the arts and crafts team that isn't making us any more money. They're putting out a lot of stuff, but nobody knows how much money they made us kind of a thing. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, I've been so excited in the recent years um, seeing kind of that, like the revenue team coming together where sales and marketing stops being seen as like opposite sides of the room and they start, you know, like actually working together instead of theoretically working together. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you think about 
content marketing and measuring things that are actually going to move the needle or are going to move the thing that's going to move the needle instead of views or likes or something necessarily, you know, um, vanity metrics that sometimes get uh, executives to roll their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of advice, what kind of experience, what kind of thoughts do you have about um, helping get focused on measuring the stuff that actually turns into money? Yeah, this is another great use case for this visibility idea. And so if we've got these cards that we're making of activities, right, we're writing blog posts, or we're creating downloadable resources, or whatever it might be, we should have success criteria documented for the work that we're doing. This work item is successful if X. It is a failure if Y. And and this is quite connected to some of these ideas from like the lean startup movement and those kinds of things where it's, you know, data or die. And I think it's a good muscle to build up for marketers in general and content marketers in particular to say, why? <laughs> why are we doing all of these things that we're doing? What are we hoping to get out of it? And at what point do we decide that it's a good or a bad move, right? We call it the pivot or persevere moment. And we should know when we hit this point, that's the signal to persevere and it was a success and we're going to double down and put more resources if we hit it and it is not performing well, then that's time to pivot and we're going to change our strategy. Yeah, so I read The Lean Startup. Lots of people did. Why do you think so many of us, instead of you know, before we launch the thing, having our written down, you know, this is what we think it will accomplish and this will be a pass or fail, like doing that beforehand. Why do you think so yep. many of us are like, well, let's put it out there and then let's see what happens. And like, <laughs> you know, a hundred percent of the time we see what happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> but why do you think that we don't have habits or routines or why do you think that we're not establishing success criteria before the experiment starts? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, the the definition of done is just released, right? And to really build into the process to say, this is not actually done. We are not finished until we have collected X metrics and created some sort of response plan for those metrics. Um, And it's, I think too, like marketers have been sometimes disconnected from data. Like it's hard for us to get a hold of some things in terms of um, end-to-end attribution. We can say like, well, we think we contributed to these deals in this way, but we're not sure. Um, And so then it's sort of like, well, if we're not sure, then why are we going to the trouble of measuring at all? But even if we can't do the 100% end-to-end multi-touch attribution models and the fanciness, just to be able to say, we did this work in order to achieve this goal, did it achieve it or not, is just a really useful mechanism. But you're right, it's not our instinctive um, mode of operating, especially those of us who are like creative content people, we don't feel like we have to think about data, uh, but it's it's so important. Well, so right along with that, and let's, let's break something else down just for a second. This end-to-end attribution model, like... For people who aren't familiar with that, you know, the first thought that I'm thinking of when you say that is like when Marcus Sheridan says that he was able to track this blog post sold this many in-ground pools for river pools and spas. Is that what you mean? Or And besides HubSpot, what are other, if somebody wants to go get something like that, who are vendors you like or what what principles do you follow? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that's that's a great thing to know. And and the more deep you can go with being able to say that to say like this blog post contributed to these number of sales is awesome. 
Um, but, and I am, I should totally caveat this. I am not an analytics person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things that I know about myself and I ask other people to help me with, um, because it's not my, my forte, but even if it's just a, we expect every blog post to generate X number of new email subscribers per month, right? I don't have to necessarily say that those people become clients of ours at Agile Sherpas, for instance, but a top of funnel metric for us is how many people can we reach? What's our addressable audience? And so email subscribers are a thing that we want to work on there. And so blog posts have an expectation of your the blog posts should be getting us X number of, of Yeah, it was it was this engaging, it was this helpful that people are like signing up to get more help like that. Is that fair? Right. Right. So, and then if, if it's not, then it needs a refresh or maybe the topic's wrong or right. We, we can use that information to inform future work. Yeah. So you actually hang out with the marketers that I think are really cool, like Joe Paluzzi, right? And the kind of people you speak with. Can you talk about email marketing for one second? Because, you know, there's so much flash in the pan stuff. And, you know, now you even have like the Wall Street Journal doing little videos on YouTube about their TikTok account. And, you know... <laughs> everybody's you know you get all this chirping out there about like is instagram peaking and should i be looking beyond instagram now and right and yet the people who i have the most respect for in the marketing world and you know i love marketing because i've been a sales guy since i was 15 years old and i figure if i'm good at marketing then i don't have to sell so much right (laughs) even if you're a ceo of the company you're just top sales guy so um the people i have the most respect for just no matter what comes out they keep saying and the number one thing you want is email lists because <laughs> you control it and it's still the best. And the, anyways, can you talk about your philosophy around why email? Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with that. And it's one of the reasons why, like I said, we have email subscribers as a major top of funnel metric for us because something very serious would have to happen to the way that the internet works for email addresses to no longer be valuable. Um, And then we would have a much larger problem as digital marketers. But it is, social media is this ever-evolving landscape where, I mean, Facebook is the prime example, right? For the longest time, it was publish on Facebook, like do it, do native content inside of Facebook. That's what they want. That's valuable. And then poof, like organic reach just went away almost overnight. And so all of that work is, is I mean, from a lean perspective, it's waste, right? You, you've put all this in and you can't continue to, to get value from it. Um, whereas, like, as Joe Pulitzi would say, like, don't build on rented land, build on what you own, which is your email list, which is your website. And even the website, right? SEO is is still fairly fickle and algorithms change, And but you can always email people, you know? So delivering enough value to get people to trade their email for what you are offering is, I think, the most consistent marketing tactic. Like it's worked really well for a really long time. And you can't say that about a lot of digital marketing um, approaches. Yeah, I love it. Well, listen, let's, you know, I know we're out of time for part one of the interview. Everybody, please tune, tune back in. We're going to get more of these kind of specifics from Andrea. Um, so, Andrea, if people, besides going to Agile Sherpas and, and getting the downloads and stuff like this, um, obviously they can go to Amazon to buy your book. What 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 else is best way for people to get in touch with you if they're interested in this stuff? 
Yeah, you can find a lot of, of the collected stuff on andreafryrear.com. Uh, I've got the books there, links to resources. Um, it's a good kind of consolidated starting point. And everybody, Fryrear is F-R-Y-R-E-A-R. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much. Okay, everybody, tune back in. <laughs>